I'm all about patting yourself on the back as often as you can to reinforce good behaviors. Cause more often than not, we're our own worst enemy. We're always putting ourselves down again, subconsciously. It's just patterns that we're used to doing like, ah, you're an idiot. Why'd you do that? Where negative self-talk is really bad. But if you can positively reinforce when you do something that makes you feel good, you'll just keep making more of those right choices. Welcome to the Bold Moves How Did You Know podcast, a podcast for the naturally curious who want to define their own path. I'm your host, Kristen Rocco, and here I'm sharing bold move stories that propelled my guests from curiosity to action. And in doing so, they've defined a path that is purposeful to them. Through these stories, I hope you'll be inspired to pursue your boldest dreams. With me today is Jenna Banks. Jenna is a keynote speaker, award-winning author, and host of The Jenna Banks Show, whose work has been featured in media outlets, including Forbes, Pop Sugar, ABC, NBC, and CEO World Magazine. Early in her leadership career, she worked in the consumer product space with brands like Hasbro, Mattel, Lego, those are some cool companies, Jenna, <laughs> and also some entertainment companies like Sony Pictures, Warner Brothers, USA Television Networks. I'm sure companies you all have never heard of before. <laughs> in 2012, she found a home-based marketing products business, which she ended up selling in 2019 for a $500,000 profit. Phew, mind-blowing. And since then, she's been on this fast fascinating journey following her passion for helping others live to their fullest potential. She's a writer. She is a speaker. She has the Jenna Banks show, which can be streamlined, uh, sorry, streamed on Binge Networks TV and the powerful Women Plus app available on Roku, Apple TV, Google Play and Amazon Fire TV. Wow, Jenna, I am already so inspired by you. Welcome to the show. And I'm so honored that you're here with me today. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Excellent. Me too. I love your message about self-love. Um, and it's really all about helping women embrace loving themselves more, right? Or more simply, self-love, as I said. Um, but before we dive into that main topic that I can't wait to get into the discussion, I'd love to hear how you got here, right? There had to be a journey before you started um, talking about the need for self-love. So take us through your career or your life journey um, that inspired you to get to this place where you are today. Happy to do it. You know, something you said earlier in your intro really resonated with me, and that is about staying curious. And I think that that's absolutely been a major motto my entire life. I am curious, you know, and I want to live life to my fullest potential. And that curiosity leads me down the path of figuring out what resonates for me and what doesn't resonate for me, you know, what, what lights me up and gives me joy and what, uh, what doesn't feel so good and what should I stay away from? And I think that that's part of the journey to self-love is saying, you know, I'm going to trust what my body is telling me. I'm going to trust my instincts because there's something there that never leads you down the right path. And that was something I figured out really early on in life is that that inner knowing is guiding you. And if you learn to trust it, it will lead you down some very interesting paths that you would never, ever imagine you will go down like the one I am down right now. I tell you, every twist and turn is such a surprise, but a pleasant one. And I can continue to see what works for me and what doesn't, but the doors open up when you stay curious. So 
you know, answering your question, just giving you a quick background on the journey that I've been on my entire life to get to where I am today. Basically, you know, I started off life in a, um, a big household. I was one of seven. So the oldest of five kids. Yeah, it was a very uh, strict religious home. Um, and it was, um, you know, I had a very tough time in that household. I won't get into too many details there, but let's just say that it didn't fit for me. And I really at 14 thought I need to get out of here. And so I left home at 14. Um, and I ended up, um, on a very crazy journey, which ended up, you know, I ended up dropping out of high school at 17, got my GED pregnant and married at 19. And I became, you know, I moved to the Netherlands. We moved back when I was 22 (laughs) and then I became a divorced single mom at the age of 22. So I had a lot of, um, survival skills built up to that point, I guess you could say I was pretty much just surviving at that point. And really the pivot became when we, when we came back to the States and I realized, you know, how amazing the amazing opportunities this country provided us. I really leaned into that. I had a lot of drive and entrepreneurial spirit and curiosity and, um, you know, just started my career path from there, really focusing on going as far as I could go in my career And it was during that time that I also explored my, uh, you know, it got went deeper into spirituality Uh, before that I wasn't really spiritual because of the way I had been raised. Uh, So I really got to know myself better and spend a lot of time, you know, as a single mom, of course, you know, there, you know, you're not doing the same things most, uh, you know, 20, 22, 23, 24 year olds are doing. So I, I got to spend a lot of time doing a lot of introspection and Worked on personal growth and development, which it sounds like you're probably into that as much as I am, um, and really dove into that. So from there, I started connecting dots, you know, again, staying curious. Power was something that really I, I, I tried to explore on my own. There weren't any books on it that I I wasn't actually even searching. I was just searching within myself, this idea of power and being in our power and you know, I had been raised to not have my power. i had been raised to believe that my power was outside of me and come to find out, you know, this journey led me to believe, to understand that we have so much power as individuals and everything is actually inside of us. And so if we can, again, learn to tune into what's inside, it will lead you down the right path. And so I ended up, um, you know, having a great career started my company in 2012 um, because you know I'd gone pretty far I was making a really good six-figure income working with major brands and um, but it wasn't you know I had a calling to do more and so I ended up quitting that job and I didn't know what I'd do but I took a chance on me started my company and just explored it I stayed curious and um it led into building the company to where I was able to keep it a home-based business. I ended up um, selling it for half a million dollars right before the pandemic hit. And I thought, all right, universe, if I have the opportunity to sell this company, I will take this as the opportunity to explore other parts of me that I want to explore, right? I know I can do this business thing, but I want to do more in the world. I want to make an impact in the world. And I had just had an opportunity to speak on stage for the first time right before I sold my business. 
And I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to face this fear. It was one of the biggest fears I had that and heights, which I still have a fear of heights. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of us do. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm like, I'm just going to face this fear of public speaking. What's the worst that could happen? I bomb terribly. Okay. Lesson learned. So I get up there and I spent time preparing for it, but I pretty much did what a lot of people do. You have your slides and you work off your slides. And you know what? I was passionate about the subject and it worked out great. Uh, I loved the audience's intera- uh, reactions. I was able to see people's eyes light up and see how I was able to create some kind of emotion that seemed to affect them positively. And then afterwards, you know, I would chat with them and they really uh, what I said really resonated and they'd repeat it back to me. And I thought, wow, this is powerful. If I have the opportunity to really reach people in a positive way and, you know, use the talents that I was born into this world with to make an impact positively in this world, that's what I want to do. And I got my asking price. I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I enrolled in speaker training. I went through a seven month program, got, you know, got the training that I needed and then just started actively getting out there. I started my show kind of like you did, I, but I did mine on video <laughs> and, um, and that's led me down this path where now I'm, you know, just in a couple of days, I'll be, uh, I'm seeing a full day event for a C-suite, uh, group, um, focused on technology and I'm doing multiple events for them in different C-suite meetups. And um, I was just at Panasonic doing their leader, you know, speaking on a panel for their leadership summit, talking about change and change management, change management, transformation. Um, I would have never, ever, ever guessed I'd be doing this, Kristen, because, you know, again, having, you know, that fear, that that internal dialogue, and I'm sure you're aware of limiting beliefs and all of that. I had a limiting belief that I couldn't speak. So, you know, it's been super empowering just going through this process of realizing, you know, that we're in our, we, you know, we can do more than we think we can. Yeah, it is. That is a very inspiring message. And thank you for sharing your journey. It seems like you were reactive, right? In those early days where you were just trying to figure out, you know, how to get yourself out of a situation um, into a better life. And then you figured out how to, you know, build your corporate career, build a business, and now you're on to this next evolution, which seems to me to be your higher calling, right, and purpose. Um, For people who are still stuck back in, you know, maybe where you were very early on, right, and they feel like they're in survival mode, take us through your experience and some of the, the things that you did to help get through that time um, to unlock your curiosity and get into your next phase, right? And it seems, like I said, it seems like you've reinvented yourself a couple different times. So how can people who feel really stuck in a situation and even maybe in survival mode migrate out of that into their next chapter? Um, a couple of things come to mind for me. I just put, I'm putting myself back into my mindset when I was in my early twenties and in that survival mode, there was something I remember specifically, um, in my early twenties and, and maybe this is the mindset of anyone in their early twenties. So I don't know if it'll help anyone who's moved beyond that. But back then I really thought someone is going to come save me. It was a, it was a thinking of like, well, somebody will see my potential or somebody will, it was always somebody else. 
And I had to realize it just came into my, my uh, thinking for some reason that it hit me who's somebody. No, there's no somebody. It's somebody's you. It's up to you to make life what you want it to make it. Nobody's going to come save you. And when I switched that, when I caught myself thinking that in my early twenties, I thought, well, no, I'm going to take the bull by the horns and figure this out. And then, um, you know, the other thing is just, uh, you know, just staying curious, right? Because yeah, I realize now having had the success that I have today, we, we get attached to the things, the title, the stuff, the whatever, but you know, in the end, you know, we don't need much to survive. We really don't need much to get by truly. I mean, if you think about it at the end of the day, we need a roof over our heads and food in our belly. Right. And the rest of it's just a a mental construct. So, so if you can let go of the fear of risk, you know, and put yourself out there, whatever that is, you know, stop letting, I I had to stop letting, um, the barriers, the perceived barriers get in the way. Right. So I'll give you an example. You know, my book I wrote for women, because I feel like there are a lot of hurdles we have to come overcome as women to love ourselves more. Not that men don't need the message. We all need the message, but I can only speak from being a woman and my point of view and the hurdles I had to overcome from the social conditioning I received as a woman. One of those things is us as women, we tend to feel that we have to be perfect in order to be acceptable. That especially if you're an overachiever, that nothing will be acceptable unless it's 100% perfect. And that includes applying for jobs. And we hold ourselves back. There's a lot of data on this. So we tend to not apply for a job if we don't meet 100% of the criteria. But that thinking would have, I would never be today where I am today if I continued down that path of thinking. And I I was there once. I had to let that go and say, if I only meet 80% or 70% or 60%, I don't care. I really want that job. So I'm going to get in there with my enthusiasm And my focus and my intention and know that if it's meant to be for me, it'll happen. And you'd be surprised how many doors open up for you when you don't let the barriers, the perceived barriers get in Mm -hmm. the way. Just go for what you want. Yeah. Uh, You're making me think about my new recipe, my new bold moves recipe, if you will, Um, which through all of the conversations I've been having, it it sort of is a a running theme that it's your desire plus action equals your bold moves. And that goes into what you're saying. We don't know, and we don't know whether you're gonna get the job that you're applying for, but what we can control is that we have a desire for that job. We will take the action to apply for that job. And then that will eventually become our next bold move because we're doing something little by little that's combining our desire for it with the action. Um, I want to go back to you, you, you said something so inspiring about, I thought somebody would save me, you know, in those early twenties and you reframed how you thought about that into this, uh, figure out, figure it out mentality. And then you also earlier on said, you had an inner knowing, you tuned into your inner knowing. So I'm putting all of those puzzle pieces together because for me, that's what it is. It's like the mindset first was somebody will save me. And then you had some 
click of a switch that said, oh, I've got to reframe this to to become now I need to figure it out. And that's when you go internal, right? And you go into what is it that I want? What is my internal knowing? Can you describe something tangible that you did to to tune into that inner knowing? Because sometimes I do feel like it's hard for people especially with all the noise in the world, right? And all the responsibilities people have to tap into their in, inner knowing. What did you do to to get a better sense of yourself? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um, well, given that I did hit head into survival mode very early on in my life, I had to survive on instinct. That's what led me down the path of saying, no, I don't want this at 14. I'm willing to jump into the fire and figure it out, you know, not necessarily literally on the streets, but sometimes I was like uh, on the street (laughs) and, um, you know, with no place to go. And so it was, it was not easy, but you have to learn something. I had no guidance at that point, no parents telling me what to do, no parents guiding me. So I had to figure it out. So that was something that I had to learn just out of sheer survival. But what I can tell you is that I'm a, a pretty logical person. I'm very rational. I'm realistic, calculated risks. Yes, I'm a risk taker, but I take calculated risks, but I put patterns together, right? So I started to realize, oh, when I had an instinct to do something, when there was an inner knowing that said, don't do this, don't, don't engage with that person, grab that umbrella when you leave the house. And I didn't do it. I realized, oh, I should (laughs) have. And so then I just started pivoting from there. And I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to try something different. Every time I get some kind of an inner knowing, which is something, I'm going to heed it 100%. And if if it's wrong, then I will know I can't trust it. But if it's right, then I will trust it implicitly. And it has gotten me in and out of things that I'm just like, at the time, don't make any logical sense, but I trust it 100%. For example, when I left my cushy job, I felt like it was almost a suffocating feeling, like this negativity in the air that was pushing me out. Like I felt a literal push out the door and I literally packed, I packed up my stuff and I walked out. I got in my car and I left. And I am so grateful that I did that because there was something going on and it would have put me down a very bad path. Um, the fact that I left that day saved my butt. I couldn't make it make sense. Um, but it were and so it's times like that when I go, I will never, ever not trust that inner knowing, you know? Yeah. Oh, what a good story. Um I I noticed on on, you know researching you jenna that you talk about you know helping to inspire people and empower them to live up to their full potential um which i think is amazing and so transitioning a little bit into what you're doing today and how you're teaching this concept of self-love um what were some of the red flags you were seeing as you were starting to ponder this idea? Is this a concept that people need in their lives? You know, what made you really think that, gosh, people need to learn this and I'm the one to teach it? That's a great question. I'll tell you, there was a moment, a single moment in time that made me realize I want to do this. 
I had already sold my company. I knew I wanted to get into inspiring others, helping create positive change in others. I just didn't know how and what and what topics I talk about. So I went to, uh, I had broken up with someone I was really, really in love with. And mind you, I'm going to, I'm going to preface this by saying, I work on myself a lot continuously. Why? Because I'm still learning so much about myself. I make mistakes left and right. You know, there's no being perfect. And I accept that about myself. So I was in a relationship that wasn't serving me, broke up with him. Um, I thought I was really in love with him, but I decided this wasn't going to work. I wasn't getting what I needed. So I have to call it off. We're about five months into the relationship at the time. And a good friend of mine wanted to meet up for dinner and talk about it because I was hurting. It was hard. It was a hard breakup for me. So we go to dinner and she says, um, I don't understand. Why did you, why, if you're still in love with him, why would you break up with him? And I, and I didn't even hesitate to say, I love me more. It just came right out of me. And uh, she's like looking at me all funny. She's like, what do you mean? I love me more. And I said, well, you know, I value myself more than anyone else. If I'm not going to get what I need in a relationship, I have to prioritize myself and my needs and take care of me first and get out. She still couldn't understand. And we talked about this the whole evening. She kept trying to understand and she was around my age. Um, and so it, a few weeks after that dinner ended, you know, um, I get a call from her and she says, Oh my God, Jenna, I got it. I got it. I love me more. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean? She goes, you know, I spent a lot of time. Like I've been thinking about this a lot since our conversation. And she says, um, you know, I'm dating this guy for a few months and he hasn't been treating me. What, like, I don't, I don't feel good in the relationship. I'm always wondering where we stand. He, he sends me weird text messages that I'm trying to read into. Like, I don't, I don't feel valued by him. And she's like, she goes, I realized that I wasn't valuing myself by letting this happen. So she cut off the relationship, never went back, um, and ends up meeting a, a gentleman, you know, about a year later that she fell in love with. They're pregnant now. It, this is what she wanted. She wanted a family. She wanted this. That wasn't serving her. And I love me more gave her the, the power she needed to literally just get out of it without that mental mind trap that a lot of us women especially fall into, right? Like, well, he's a nice guy. He means well. And we brush our own needs and our own, yeah, our own needs aside because we think, well, we, we go into our head instead of our heart, right? We think logically, well, they're a good person. They haven't done anything wrong to me. So I should give them a chance instead of saying, um, you know, hey, I need to look out for me and this isn't working for me. I'm going to choose myself and get myself in the position of being in a relationship that I want to be in. And so, and so that right there, Kristen, is what changed that, that was, that gave me that aha moment because she tells me later on the next conversation I have with her again, she brings up, I love me more. And she's like, I've been talking to my friends about it. It's such a powerful concept. This is amazing. And then she goes, it would be nice to know how you got here, Jenna. Like what steps in your life did you get to a place where you could choose to put you first? Like, what was that journey like? That got me thinking, okay, let me figure this out. And so I started journaling and exploring and I thought I'm going to write a book about self-love because I didn't even know the term self-love before I started researching and writing for the book. 
I didn't understand there was a term for it. And then I thought, wow, if I could just kind of package this up nicely and present it to somebody with stories and examples and my journey, um, and it can help more people like it helped my friend and her friends, that would be, that's what I want to do. So it just was an organic kind of a situation, but staying curious to your point, I love going back to that because I think it's a really good way to weave this all in together. If you stay curious, you'll, you'll see that there's all kinds of opportunities always coming your way. You just have to see what resonates for you. I love that story. Um, and thank you for sharing your experience because it really brings it to life how uh, this concept has helped you and other people. It's almost like a litmus test. If you can ask the question, do I love me more? As you're evaluating situations, people's first natural instinct in a relationship is to, most people to take some accountability in their actions, right? And think about, okay, how am I possibly contributing to whatever's going on here? Um, and, and, and that's, that's very helpful and maybe can possibly help you see some red flags that you can own. Um, but I think your point is bigger than that, where it's not about your accountability and, and your, your part of it, but it's no, actually this is hedging on a toxic scenario and it's time to take your power back and exit that relationship. And I, I want to ask um, for your input here too, because I assume that we're not just talking about romantic relationships, although that is one of the areas where it applies. Can you tell us more about some of the other applications where this works well? I was literally just going to add that same thing to it. Yeah, because it's really important to understand I love me more applies in all aspects of our lives. A job, right? In that situation with my job, I don't care how much you're paying me. I love me more than to put up with this kind of, you know, actually I, I, I mean, I felt like a paid prostitute in one of my jobs, even though, you know, it, there was no prostitution, but it was just like, you're paying me and now you demand this out of me because of money. How is that me respecting myself when I go, you know, I'm more than just a paid pawn in your game. Like if you can't, if I don't feel that you're valuing me and respecting me as an individual at your company, then it's time for me to go. You can't pay me enough money to put up with you feeling like you own me. So it's stuff like that, where it's like, you know, being in our value, being in our power, being, you know, respecting ourselves first, having compassion for ourselves, being kind to ourselves, forgiving ourselves. Like we need to be treating ourselves with the same kind of treatment that we would want to give to our partner, you know, or our children. Like we have to give it to ourselves first. And so when you look at any situation, whether it's a friend, you know, I write in the book about a situation where I had an old friend from high school, we were buds. I mean, we were actually best, best buds, but the relationship wasn't deep enough to keep us connected through adulthood. We kind of talked once a year and I noticed that her way she was treating me didn't make her feel me feel valued by her. She would talk down to me in this kind of older sister way. And I'm like, this doesn't feel good. I don't like this. I don't why, again, with the mental constructs, our mental construct would say, well, you've known this person since high school, be the nice person. And, you know, you know, just bucket up buttercup. But I'm thinking, this is my time, my energy. I love me. Do I want this person in my life? I have to evaluate that and say, you know what? 
some relationships aren't meant to last forever and that's okay. And this one needs to end. It's just time, you know, if you can't salvage it, or it could be you join an organization, some type of a group, it could be a spiritual group or whatever, but you see it going down a wrong path, maybe a little cultism in there or something. And you're like, mm, you know, but you're like, oh, I don't quit. Or, you know, I don't want to make them feel bad. Or, you know, you're too involved with the people at the whatever, the church or wherever you're at. And you forego your true feelings, what's really resonating for you because of these mental constructs. I love me more helps break you of all of that. Because if you put, make sure you're feeling good in each and every situation. And of course, you know, if it's a relationship, obviously you want to communicate and try and work things out and set boundaries if you need to and whatever. But if you find that it's just not feeling good to you anymore and it's time to exit stage, right? It's okay. There's nothing you could choose yourself. And I, and so I think it applies in like so many more aspects of our lives than even I realized um, until I started writing the book. And then I'm like, actually, you know what? No, it's, and it's not selfish. And I want to, I, I want to mention that because it sounds selfish. It does sound selfish to most anyone who's never really contemplated this. I love me more concept or even self-love. And, um, you know, I dive into this in one of my bigger talks about it because it's really important that we understand what selfishness is and what self-love is. Um, so if you don't mind, I could give a, yeah, a little... please. I would love that. Mm-hmm. So speak selfish is to be the Merriam Webster dictionary. If I remember this correctly there, the definition from the Merriam Webster dictionary is to be concerned excessively or exclusively with yourself or with oneself seeking or concentrating on one's own advantage pleasure or well-being without regard for others. That's selfishness. That is I it's all me, it's my immediate needs that matter and I don't care about anyone else, right? Self-love is about prioritizing your well-being and happiness. It's about um it's about uh, not settling for less than you deserve. It's about um you know, prioritize yeah, prioritizing your well-being. That, that if you even just stop there, it's prioritizing my well-being and happiness. That's it. If I'm not happy here, if this doesn't feel good for my mental health, I have to put me first. Period. As simple as that. And 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 the truth is, the more we do that for ourselves, the more we actually have to give to our loved ones because we we love ourselves, and that love it radiates outward. And it affects everyone else in a positive way. The happier you are, the more energy you have, the more you can give back to the people that you're really able to impact in a positive way and your jobs, your communities, or like in my case, I'd like to impact the world. But if I'm, if I'm wrapped up in all these things that take my power away from me, I cannot give back in this greater way. Now that we have, we understand what self-love is all about and, and how we can think about carrying that forward in our lives, when you do act from a place of self-love, what does that feel like, Jenna? Um, what does that change for somebody? That's a great question. I love that you're asking that. It feels darn good instantly. That's what happens. <laughs> it feels great to have your back like that and just know, yeah, 
I looked out for me and that was great. You And good job. I, I'm all about patting yourself on the back as often as you can to reinforce good behaviors because more often than not, we're our own worst enemy. We're always putting ourselves down again, subconsciously. It's just patterns that we're used to doing like, ah, you're an idiot. Why'd you do that? Where negative self-talk is really bad. But if you can positively reinforce when you do something that makes you feel good, you'll just keep making more of those right choices. I'll give a quick example. There, uh, there was a situation where an ex of mine reached out to me on social media. I hadn't heard from him in like 20 years. And we had a, you know, I was in my patterns when I was in those relationships and he was one of those patterns where I had to learn some lessons um, and he was very controlling. And these were the types of people that I was attracting because that's what I was used to. We don't realize that we attract what we're used to, even though we can get out of situations because we know it doesn't resonate, but then we'll just keep attracting it until we heal within us the thing that's attracting that. So he pops up 20 years later and I almost see it as like a little test from the universe for me as to how far I've come in my self-love game, <laughs> but he reaches out. So he reaches out, says, hello, no big deal. 20 years have passed. We didn't end it on a bad note. It's just our relationship was very tumultuous and, and he did some stuff that was not cool at all. So he reaches out. I said, oh, hey, how are you? You know, I nicely responded, um, you know, because there was no, you know, I didn't think it was a big deal. Like, hey, how are you? Good. How are you? All good. Yeah. Still living over here. Okay, cool. Awesome. I thought that was it, right? It was just a couple of quick messages. And I'm like, great. I won't hear from him again for another 20 years. And then he starts commenting on one of my posts on social. And I'm like, oh man, my, this feeling within me was like somebody just like, it was a, this negative feeling of like a, like in a pit in my stomach and like, oh, like somebody just intruded on my personal space that I didn't want to intrude. Right. I'm not inviting him into my life as a friend. You know what I mean? So that was so that was me tuning in to that feeling that I felt, which was not positive. So then the next step for me was, okay, how am I going to nip this in the bud? Because I don't want to just sit back and be like, well, I don't have to say anything and maybe he'll go away. But then having to keep letting myself deal with the discomfort each time he would respond, you know, comment. I was like, I'm going to, this is not cool. I'm going to stand up for myself. I sent him, I opened a message and I said, Hey, so-and-so we are not friends. We've never been friends. I have no interest in being friends with you. We had a very rough relationship that ended badly. We're going to just end this conversation. Like, let's just stop it right here. Like, that's it. And he's like, Oh yeah, sorry. I went and didn't mean to upset you. Haven't, you know, have a nice life. But the point was that I wasn't worried about how he felt. Not my problem. My problem is how I feel and I need to stand up for me. And the moment I hit send, it was like a rush of energy, my power, because I had been giving my power away to him by saying, oh, it's okay if you let me, you know, feel uncomfortable in this situation. I'm going to be the nice person because I don't want to make you feel bad. And that's the dialogue, that social conditioning that us women especially have. It's programmed in there so deeply because we've watched our mothers behave this way and all the women in our life behave this way. You be the nice girl, be good. And so when you can let that go, that nice girl conditioning and say, you know what? I'm going to be nice to me first. I'm not trying to hurt him, but I can't be concerned with his feelings. This is about me. And when you do that, it feels damn good. So that's the answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> 
Awesome. All right. So I want to wrap with two questions that I am asking all of my guests. The first of the two is, what's your next bold move, Jenna? Oof. Well, um, I'm working on getting a TED Talk going. So TEDx, that's my next bold move. I've, that's it's been on my goals, uh, my list of goals for a while. So I'm my goal is to get that done in 2024. So working on that. Um, and then also um, I've got a, I'm writing an adult, uh, young adult fantasy fiction novel um, with a team. I'm, I'm all about co-creation now. This is leaning into our feminine energy. And that is a subject that I am now getting deep into the masculine, our divine masculine and our divine feminine. We all have both. It's not about women rule or men. We've been living in a patriarchy. We are all aware of that. So how do we as a culture, as a society, um, embrace more of our feminine energy? Because all of us have been leaning into our masculine, women included, and so that's been my own journey is to lean more into my feminine. So this young adult fantasy fiction novel, my I'm in a writing group of three of us. We're a team. And this co-creation process has been amazing. So I am leaning even more into my feminine now. But I need it balanced with both. I need it balanced with my masculine. And to put this book out in the world, which we foresee as a series of nine or 10 books in total, reaching young women at high school age so we can get this information in their hands about self-love, about trusting your instinct, all the feminine energy stuff that we need to learn, but to learn it when you're young and formidable and and so that we can break the cha the change and break break this cycle. So that is my next bold move and I'm really excited about it. Two really significant ones that you're working on. So just to, a follow-up question there, um, and maybe you can use just one uh, one of the bold moves to break it down a little bit further, but how did you identify that you wanted to be a TEDx speaker, or how did you identify that you wanted to um, write these novels for young adults? And then break down your process, because I do want to help people uncover uh, how people get to making their bold move. It's not, you know, it's, it's identifying it. And then what do you do to get there? So maybe just take one of them and share your process for being like, yes, I want to be a TEDx speaker. And this is what I'm doing to get there. Ah, oh, you know, I think it's really important to set goals, obviously, but to not get so caught up in that. If you enjoyed the journey, then you know, you're on your right path. And so for me, this book writing process, for example, I had no idea I wanted to write a young adult fantasy fiction novel, but I started meeting up. My friend and I got together. We set up a business called Tiger Feather, and we let that kind of evolve through creating the brand story. And we knew we needed to go back and do some work on the brand story. And that brand story led to creating a book series. You just, again, staying curious, following your passion, what interests you, enjoying the journey. Because you could put this goal out there of I'm going to write a book series. But if you're not enjoying taking those steps, then it's not the right move for you. You know, it. To tr trust me, once you get to the goal, you're then like, oh, eh, 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 now what? You know, it's the goal isn't the, the, the goal isn't going to bring you happiness. And that is why we see so many people going from goal to goal, chasing these things, money hungry, next title, whatever, and never feeling really happy, right? Yeah. No, I love that. It reminds me of one of my favorite quotes growing up is, um, it's all about the journey, not the destination. Yeah. And 
it is a it is feeling so joyful and in flow with what you're doing. Um, what do you do on a weekly basis to pursue your your goal of of becoming the author? Um, are you meeting with your partner? Are you writing some chapters? What does that look like in bite size action? Having a partner helps keep you accountable. So I think that's huge. Neither one of us would have done this with this type of a book series. Not we've never written a young adult fiction book in our life. So you know, but together we keep each other accountable and we have the regular meetings set. So they're weekly meetings. We're just, you know, when you know you're going to do it and we're both passionate about it, we keep showing up and keep doing it. And so it's constant steps forward. You just have to keep that ball moving. Um, And so, you know, if you have a vision board, for example, or you write down on a sticky note, you know, I used to put a little sticky note with like my top seven things that I wanted, you know, to be having more of in my life. And if you just have have that around you, it gets into your thinking and into your mindset and you just, you start to make it happen. So having the vision board, writing it down on lists, looking at it, envisioning it, imagining it, that's key. You know, if you believe in law of attraction or manifestation, you have to imagine what it feels like going through the process and you will start to attract the things that get you on that path. If you're, if you're, if you're allowing yourself, if you're, daring yourself to imagine big dream big because you know what if you don't how are you going to know where you're trying to go right absolutely thank you for taking us down your journey um on your next bold move my final question for you jenna is what do you know today about being bold that you wish you would have known earlier on oh yeah you know what I think it is stop seeking external validation. That's a big one. You know, we all want to know that we're doing something that people like. And of course, I, you know, with all these ventures that I'm doing, I have to feel the pulse of people and make sure that what I'm saying is actually resonating, but not like as far as like your, your ideas or opinions or whatever. Those are things that are part of you and not everyone's going to like you. Just like you don't like everyone either, right? It, it, so if we allow ourselves to go, yeah, it's okay if I don't like some people. So I guess it's okay if some people don't like me or what I have to say. And but you know what? If enough people who are who need this message, if it gets to them, that's what matters most. And so if we can, you know, just learn to stop seeking the external validation and trust that inner knowing. Um, for me, that's what really helped me be even bolder than ever. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been such a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you being here, Jenna, and sharing your message about self-love. It's something that we need to hear maybe more today than ever before. So thanks for being here. If people want to uh, find you, learn more about you, where can they go? Yeah, just my website, jennabanks.com. That's J-E-N-N-A banks.com. And there you'll find links to my Instagram, um, YouTube, the Powerful Women Plus app, all that stuff is on there. And I also have a free weekly email series I uh, send out called Love Notes to Myself. And it's just self-love reminders. They're mostly inspired by my book, but I also add new things that inspire me, especially if there's a topic that I feel is like in the zeitgeist that really could use to be explored through the lens of self-love. I'll I'll try to do that just in an effort to help people look at things through the lens of self-love. So that's on my website as well. I love that. Help people practice self-love in a deeper way. 
Amazing, Jenna. Thank you again for being here. Um, and for everybody else, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much. Bye.